0: Hello, and welcome to Block and Order, the show that explores the legal issues facing the world of Web3 and beyond. I am a particularly scruffy Kyle Lawrence, and with me, as always, he's my, your, and the whole world's valentine, Moish Pelts.
1: And also scruffier than usual. Happy to join you, <laughs> Kyle. How are you doing?
0: What's in the water and the air that makes us uh, look so unkempt? It's, it's February in
1: New York, and if, you know, if, if you're not from here, then you know, both one congratulations yeah. but two this is just what happens now you know we have to survive we're almost at spring but we're definitely not there yet
0: that's true we did have a, a bit of a snowstorm the other day uh, for all of us for all of our blockhead friends uh that are down watching in the south uh don't please don't please don't cry for us we're no heroes <laughs> yeah, come
1: back from puerto rico when you run out of money and you don't have any taxes to pay
0: <laughs> oh god exactly Well, Moish, uh, with the weather uh, shenanigans out of the way, why don't you lead us off with the top of the order?
1: All right. Well, our first topic for today is the announcement that GoDaddy has partnered with ENS, Ethereum Name Service. The two partners announced that they reached an agreement uh, in which GoDaddy would allow all of their users, that is domain owners on GoDaddy, to link their internet domains to an ENS address for free. So they set up the smart contracts in the back end, allowing for very low uh, or you know near-gasless transactions to happen where GoDaddy can actually basically sponsor those transactions and people can link a .com, a .io, a .xyz uh, to hmm. an Ethereum wallet in the same way they would link a .eth name like a, uh, to an Ethereum wallet. So uh, this announcement comes uh, while ENS is still... Uh, in court, litigating with GoDaddy separately about the ETH.link yep, e. yeah. domain name, uh, so you know it's a little bit of a, a, a interesting partnership on that respect. But nonetheless, here now we have universal use of domain names with ENS. So, Kyle, if if this is the future here, every domain name, nay every ownable digital asset, can now be linked to the blockchain. You know how does this change the 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 world of certainly domains, but thinking about just other assets that are not necessarily blockchain assets, but yeah. you know, kind of a, a, an on ramp to being them.
0: I I think you hit the nail on the head, Moish, as you often do Um <laughs> in most things. They do call Listen, me the Hebrew every hammer, you know. <laughs> the Hebrew hammer. I'm pretty sure that one's taken. <laughs> it's definitely taken. The. Look, if every if if every domain name is going to become a, a Web three domain, I think you're exactly right. This is an interesting step towards the you know world of fidgetal that we always talk about, and and making real world assets exist on the blockchain in addition to existing on the real world. This is kind of a fascinating development, and it's it's weird. It's getting a lot of attention, but the implications of it aren't. And, and I'm curious as to why that is. I think this is really fascinating, and and you know. With with GoDaddy's brand, uh, you know, brand name recognition, and with the important work that ENS does, and how large they are, this is a great marriage of two real, sort of totemic figures within their respective spaces. Um, you know, do, ha, how do you think this is going to turn out? What's the next step from here? Where do we go after this particular partnership?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point about real world assets, and a lot of the difficulty is if you want to take a real world asset and put it on the blockchain. Well, first you have to digitize it. So it's necessarily just easier to take digital assets that are not necessarily blockchain assets and, and tokenize them. And so that's what we're seeing, right? It's like, now there's a way, I know this has always been kind of possible uh, for you to take any domain and kind of use it with ENS. But now if you're just someone on GoDaddy that has, you know, 10 domains or just owns a website and you're like, Hey, I want to make my.com into a ENS domain and and take all the benefits that come with that. um, Well, now there's like a really easy portal to do that without having to know anything really about crypto. So I I, I think that's exactly it, right? I think we're seeing this, um, you know, now in 2024, this is one of the big breakthroughs that we're starting to see is making it easier for users that are already, you know, digitally savvy, but not necessarily blockchain savvy, just making it easier and easier for them to onboard,
0: into Web3. Fascinating stuff. Next up on the order, we have Monero is being delisted from Binance. Uh, News came out recently that Binance said it will stop listing the Monero token XMR as of February 20th, even though withdrawals will be supported until May 20th. Um, Monero has slumped about 30% to a 20-month low after the news broke. And this is interesting because about a week before, Finnish law enforcement agency, the National Bureau of Investigation, (laughs) clever name, recently claimed that it may have found a way to trace the privacy coin Monero. However, proponents of the privacy coin have dismissed the agency's claim and insisted that the cryptocurrency is still untraceable. What, what's interesting here is that you know, Monero is, is basically a privacy coin, and a privacy coin is a cryptocurrency that preserves anonymity by obscuring the flow of money uh, across the networks. With all of the headwinds that Binance has been facing, with the SEC scrutiny and you know, CZ going to jail and, you know, and all these kinds of things, you know, how do you think that that played into the decision you know, in terms of delisting them?
1: Yeah, I, I think Monero is one of those things that people just kind of forgot about. Uh, and it, and it, it, it does what it does really well. Right. But yeah. for, you know, I guess a, a various reasons just hasn't ever really taken off as a, as a fairly widely used currency. So, right. you know, I think, you know, I, I remember re- seeing the Finnish law enforcement thing and there was some claim of like, oh, it's law enforcement's cracked Monero. It's not really that private. Uh, but it turned out it, from what I read, it actually right. wasn't that the coin itself w- did what it was supposed to do. But when you started trading it on centralized exchanges, then you could detect like, Hey, a user is trading Monero for this coin. And you can kind of see that, you know, they're, they're moving in large amounts of Monero, things like that, which has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the privacy coin it has to do all with the centralized exchange. Right. And so I think once, uh, the, the government monitors now in place at Binance are like, wait, what? Uh, so let's get this out of here. So, um, yeah. you know, which, which, you know, look at the 30% drop in price in a bull market where everything else is going up. Like right. at least that, yeah. um, that's a pretty big drop. And it just shows one, how influential finance still is even in its now, you know, monitored state, scrutinized. Yeah. State. yeah um, exactly. but also just, you know, uh, how, how much a lot of these coins rely upon that.
0: Oh, a hundred percent, and and not that uh, not to pick on Monero, you know. Uh, just to be clear, Aragon, multi-chain, and Vi were also dropped from Binance, and this is not the first time Monero has, in fact, been delisted. Last year, uh, OKX uh, delisted them. Yeah, cracking, you know, got rid of them. They, they, exchanges, they, not that they, yeah. the exchanges
1: don't like the privacy coins because when they're trying right, exactly. to show yeah. that we're being compliant and we don't allow money laundering and we do KYC checks, right? And then it's like, well, where's the money coming? But, it, you know, look, I, I, I think when you look yeah. about, when you think about the, the ideals of uh, personal privacy and financial freedom and all these uh, great things, um, that's what Monero stands for. And and um, there's other privacy coins, but th- this is just the example we're talking about today. But I think it's a very right. virtuous uh, use case for this technology. But I think just it's the true. way the regulatory it, environment it is now, it's just not welcome, yeah. which is a little well, bit concerning, yeah. Right.
0: Well, I mean that's – but that's just the reality of the world we live in. We can all sit here and, and sing Kumbaya and talk about how great Monero is and it's a great use case and a great application of the tech. But the truth is when you have Elizabeth Warren's eye of Sauron looking down upon them and talking about North Korea and OFAC and all these things, it just doesn't work in the real world, at least not in the US and the regulatory state we're in unfortunately. So,
1: All right, Kyle. Is Twitter
0: dead? Dead is Dylan Moish. You heard it here first on Block and Order. This is it. This is the, the last day of Twitter. There's no more. And yes, I'm calling it Twitter. I'm not calling it X because X is a stupid rebrand. It's a stupid name. Twitter is done. That's it.
1: How do you really feel, Kyle? Look, I think <laughs> Farcaster is the first app that we've seen that has a legitimate case that it will dethrone Twitter. Um, it's generated a lot of buzz this week after the launch of, of Frames. And if you don't know... Frames is a feature that allows developers to add mini apps into the users' posts or casts, mm-hmm. which is a way better name than tweets. I mean, Farcaster, casts sure, like really is. They, they've yeah. nailed it, right? But I mean, you think about a, a, a Twitter tweet and the idea that within that you could build an app that's, that's dynamic, programmable. You could put things like polls, which I guess Twitter has, but you can also put things like dynamic blog posts, You can allow people to mint nfts you can play mini games whatever you want it's a little frame where you can program anything i think it's incredible i think farcasters the the first or one of the first you know real web3 products that has also made it a really amazing onboarding experience for web2 users you can download Mm -hmm. it on the itunes app store you don't need to know anything about crypto um, to use it and the, the frames thing is are incredible, right? So you're seeing at the beginning of this year, they had something like five or 6,000 daily active users. And a few weeks later, they're almost at 200,000 users. It's insane growth, right?
0: That's massive. Yeah. It's enormous. I don't think people realize just how big of a jump that really is. And you, you nailed it. Uh, You know, you're talking about Twitter and how they manage what you post and in reality, they're the gatekeepers. They control that entire process. They control what it looks like. They control its functionality and how it operates. With Farcaster doesn't do that. You basically control every aspect of it. And it sounds cliche. It, it may sound like a platitude to, to some, but in reality, this is what Web3 is all about. We talk about freedom and 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 the you know a de- decentralized platforms and whatnot. This is it. I mean, you're, you're seeing it unfold in real time. I, I, I love this. I think this is fantastic and not just because I hate Twitter.
1: Yeah. And you're seeing like, look, when, when Farcaster goes down because they have too many users trying to onboard, um, there's still an underlying protocol. It's like yeah. Dan Romero, the CEO of Farcaster saying, Hey, go use one of our competitors. Like here, right. here's how to onboard yeah. to them. Um, so it's, what's incredible. And it, and it's, it, it's that portability of, of, of user data of user experience. If you don't like Twitter, you can't take all your tweets and your timeline and go elsewhere. Your whole social network, just like in Facebook, just like in all these other like closed end social media platforms, is stuck mm-hmm. on that platform. But this is a complete. Right. This, this flips the model, yeah. right? It's all public data. And if you want to go to a different client, you don't want to use Farcast, or you can use something else. Now, I do think mm-hmm. that makes a, a kind of a scary point, which is like all this data once you put it out there is like kind of out there. Um, so I, I, th- I think you know we, go, we got us all thinking about like the user privacy, data retention policies, things like that. Is 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 you know there there might be downsides there, and maybe nobody cares. But but you know it, there's there's definitely pros and
0: cons to both models. Sure, that's a tomorrow problem. Come on now, before we go on to the next topic, can I ask you a question, Moish? Anytime, Kyle. What what was a dumber rebrand? Twitter to X or HBO to Max? Oh. <laughs> Those are both two
1: really dumb rebrands.
0: Insane. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I got to go with Max because HBO always stood for, like, prestige, the best. When you turned on 100%. HBO Sunday night, you knew you were getting the primo A-plus, like, gold yep. content. And Twitter was always, like, a dumpster fire. So, like, you know, but, but – X, X, yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I have to agree. Thank you for indulging me. But you know,
1: (laughs) X.com, fun fact, is one of only three single letter dot coms in the entire world.
0: What are the other ones?
1: I don't know. I think it's, there's there's three
0: of them. Oh. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) sounding good. There's two more. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the Seattle Seven? That was me. Six other guys. (laughs) All right. Time's a wasted. Uh, Prometheum, everybody's favorite officially FINRA-licensed uh, exchange, recently announced that its first product is going to be, drumroll uh, please, Ethereum, in the first step in an attempt to create a regulated path for cryptocurrency. Uh, the company's executives say the firm will follow with a number of other tokens before launching its trading operations targeting um, uh, other coins in the second quarter of 2024. And just for a little bit of background, Prometheum had received regulatory approval in 2021 to operate as an alternative trading platform, uh, similar to a stock exchange where users can buy and sell securities. That's an important distinction. Uh, the company get on to, went on to gain real widespread acclaim uh, last year when they announced the first of its kind approval from FINRA, the Financial Indu- uh, Indus- Industry Regulatory Authority. Uh, the industry that basically oversees SEC registered uh, entities. Um, so what's interesting here is that by picking Ethereum, you know the SEC has been kind of wishy-washy. It's not a security, is it? I, I don't know. But if they're a licensed broker who can people can sell and trade securities on their exchange, they pick something that's not a security. I, I don't. What are they? What are they doing? <laughs>
1: Well, first I want to crack the record, I think when they, when they announced that they were launching what they were doing, they didn't, it wasn't really a claim. I think it was like scrutiny. They got uh, and people Fair started enough. looking <laughs> up their investors and, and things like that. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it, it does seem like an odd choice to say, Hey, we're right? a securities exchange and then your right. first asset that you list is Ethereum. Um, yeah. It's like, well, you know, like, why don't you go for the low hanging fruit of crypto securities uh or trade or Disney stock. I mean, <laughs> like, like, come on. What are you doing? Right. Why don't we tokenize some real securities here? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like what I, I, I guess is is this any can we read the tea leaves here and say, well, if they're doing this, maybe they have an inside line on the SEC's thinking and and maybe this is I mean, you see Gary oh, yeah. Gensler this week is is running around talk shows and they're asking him. Like on CNBC, like, hey, so what are we gonna do about all these Ethereum ETFs? And he's like, I'm not gonna, you know. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't know.
0: What is is this? Is
1: this predictive, or is this just like, can we can we put anything into
0: that? I I can't see how it's it's predictive necessarily, but it's going to create an interesting, uh, you know, the, the classic. Uh, unstoppable force versus an immovable object, you know, cause w- there's one of two outcomes here. Either they're gonna prove the claims of the executives that crypto can be handled in the United States in a way that appease, uh, appeases the SEC and the securities watchdogs, or they're gonna prove the naysayers, right? Who say, you really can't do this in the United States. You're never gonna meet the SEC's regulatory burdens, which are, you know, a mystery to us all. Um, So it's really tough. I mean, look, you know, the the SEC has always said famously, come in and register if you want to do business in the U.S. Well, Promethean went in, registered. But what happens next is entirely unclear. I, I don't know if you can really force the Night King, Gary Gensler, to do anything. Um, nobody's been able to do that so far. I, I just, I can't believe they have an inside track. I, I find this is really puzzling. <laughs> Good for them for, for being like the Joker and throwing a chaos grenade into this whole thing. But I, I, I question the decision. Now
1: that would be ironic if the SEC enforces against them for trading like non-securities.
0: <laughs> My God. I'm surprised <laughs> it hasn't come out yet. <laughs>
1: All right, and our last topic for today: uh, the announcement of Robatos. The artist Pablo Stanley uh, apparently posted on Twitter that Robatos has had a good run and they are shutting down. Oh. Um, so the Discord uh, seems to have been turned off, and Pablo logged out of the Robatos official Twitter account. Um, now, apparently, ceasing work on the project this was uh, a project that launched in August of 2021 and was near and dear to my heart as uh, I, I had one of the little Robados which we're gonna put up on, on the screen here and uh, I'm a little sad that it's it's now gone um, nice. but you know apparently he ran into problems um, with the you know his ability as an artist to, to manage his um, art, artistic vision and also to run, Um, an NFT project with I'm sure very demanding users in the discord server asking for updates consistently. And, you know, Kyle, we've seen projects that have sold. Um, We've seen projects that have just like completely shut down or rug pulled. Uh, But this is kind of a new one where the artist is seeming to support the IP and the, and the, the, the vision in some respects, but he's refusing to sell, Um, you know, what, I guess, what what do we think of this approach?
0: It's interesting. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. I mean, we're look, we're basically just speculating at this point. There seems to be, just trying to read between the lines, you know, lack of creative control, the idea that if he were to continue down this path, he would lose control of his own IP. I know a lot, a lot of artists... And we represent a lot of them who struggle with that idea. They still want to maintain the integrity of what they're doing. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, you know, where does that line get drawn? You know, does he owe some kind of duty to, you know, to this project? You know, I mean, that's his art. I mean, basically, he could do whatever he wants. Who are we to sit here right. and... and- You'll pontificate as to what that really means. Does he owe a duty to people like you who who own these assets or the other people on the platform? I mean, maybe maybe not. I don't know. But you know, like nobody knows who Banksy is, and it's it's the thing. Like, does he owe a duty to the to the American public? Is, is there a public trust component that Banksy owes us that he has to do what he he or she does? You know, it's just. I can kind of wax poetic about this for a while I, and, and I'm not really sure what side of the fence I land on, to be honest with you.
1: Well, yeah, it's an interesting way to think about it though. Right. Because you if you compare Pablo Stanley, who is, who is both the owner and the primary artist of the project to, you know, some of these other projects where there's a, a, a team, um, but they're a business team and they hire artists mm-hmm. off Fiverr or, or wherever else. Um, you know, there's, there's, well like yeah we don't care we'll sell the project we hire people to make art company owns art let's sell a company who gives a crap um here you have an artist that put blood sweat and tears into making these cute little robots and pets and the whole universe of uh things and a, and they wanted to do a, a TV show and all they all these aspirations and he's like look it, it it's we ran through our pot of gold and it's not viable artistically or financially so let's move on Uh, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say, well, like, no, you shouldn't do that. Mr. Artist.
0: Right. right, Exactly. Yeah. Interesting to see if more comes out about this or if, uh, Pablo comes out with any more information, I'm sure he'll be asked, but I'm curious. Yeah. Love to to hear the inside scoop. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us on our eighth episode of Block & Order. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel if you like the content. Please uh, drop a comment if there's a specific topic you'd like us to cover. And, and uh, also, please subscribe to our socials. Uh, links are down uh, in the show notes. Please note the Block & Order is meant for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be legal or financial advice. If you're going to take the plunge down the rabbit hole, please consult your own attorney. The hosts and guests on Block & Order may hold cryptocurrency and probably an irresponsible amount of NFTs or other digital assets from companies that may have been mentioned during the programming. Possession of these assets does not in any way constitute a professional endorsement, legal advice, or financial advice in any way. A special shout out to producer Abby. Without her, this show would absolutely not be possible. So on behalf of Block & Order, I am Kyle Lawrence. And I am Moish Peltz. All right, Take care, everybody. Thank you.